You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Well, I don't know about you, but I say we take that star off the Texas State flag and replace it with Aaron Rodgers' face. Yeehaw! And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Chris Lemsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's comfortable, in control, pleasant, very pleasant, 35-20 road win over the Jonathan Vilma-backed Houston Texans on Sunday at NRG Stadium. Come on, you didn't think I missed that now, did you? With the win, the Packers improved to 5-1 and one on the season, pulling them into a temporary tie for first place in the NFC North with the Chicago Bears, who play the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. on Monday Night Football. They also, as mentioned in the league, continue their dominance in the state of Texas during Rodgers' tenure, as he is now 6-0 and in the Lone Star State. That's right, folks. A perfect 6-0. and 3-0 against the Dallas Cowboys, 2-0 and against the Houston Texans, and most importantly, 1-0 and in Super Bowls. <laughs> 1-0 in Super Bowls. That's all that matters, right? The Detroit Lions. Hey, look at the Lions! Look at the Lions. They're back at 500, 3-3 to be exact, as a result of their last-second win over the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta on Sunday. And the Minnesota Vikings are on their bye week, so they remain at 1-5. Hey, at least they didn't lose, right? I had to double-check, though, because if any franchise could lose during their bye week, well, you know who to be. I don't know if you guys caught the end of that Lions game. That was wacky, hey? Uh, Stafford hits TJ Hawkinson for the game-tying touchdown with literally no time left on the clock. All right, oh, here comes Prater in for the PAT. Oop, unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness on Danny Amendola for Detroit, the wide receiver. Backs the PAT up 15 yards. And if you're like me, you're thinking 2020 would be the perfect year for a peak, all-time peak Detroit Lions moment, right? They score the game-tying touchdown, no time left. Easy does it, PAT. Nope. Now he's got to back up 15 yards. You're thinking he's going to miss it. They're going to go to overtime and Atlanta's going to win. No such luck, though, as the Lions pull out the W. I just want to talk because that was really, that was strange. All right, so before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Thankfully, Twitter was much calmer today than it was last Sunday. Uh, Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, oldbagadonuts, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. Uh, for anybody listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Like those the most. Four stars are good, too. Maybe a comment. That would be appreciated. And once again, we're on Spotify. That's right. Search for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue outside Lambeau Field. Follow us there. And I believe we're on iHeartRadio now, too. So if you have the iHeartRadio app, I think you can find us on there. That's I think that's right. Yeah, we're on iHeartRadio now, too. So if you have that app, follow us on there. Okay, let's go. Now that I got that out of the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's did this. Let's talk about this Packers dub that may or may not have left Vilma saddened after it was over. I got to say, that was a first. I don't think... I mean, I joke on the show a lot about Troy Aikman kind of rooting against Green Bay, but I've never heard an, an announcer like kind of openly root for a team. I mean, I know he said he was just rooting for the game to be close and he was rooting for the Texans to show some life, whatever. I mean, it sounded like Bill was rooting for Houston, didn't it? 
There were multiple points where he was like, come on, Houston, let's go. I was like, this this isn't, I, I wasn't even so much mad as I was just like, well, this is a new one. Kenny Albert, man. Whew, Kenny was covering hard for Vilma too, wasn't he? Jonathan, Jonathan's not actually rooting for Houston. Everybody calm down. Because, you know, Kenny, he's a vet. He probably sensed it. But if he didn't, I'm sure he had a producer in his ear screaming, going like, cover for his ass. What the hell is he saying? He's rooting for Houston. Say something. So Kenny was like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. What he's saying, guys, he's just rooting for a close game. He doesn't have any interest in this at all. <laughs> I bet as soon as they went to commercial, he was like, John, what the fuck, man? <laughs> all right. So anyways, yeah, bounce back up too for the pack, which was, of course, great to see after last week's utter debacle in Tampa. Packers jumped on Houston early, grabbed control of the game, and just never let go. I used the word comfortable at the beginning of the show, and really, that was the best. that's the best word for this victory. After the first half, it looked as if it was going to be a dominant win, but Green Bay kind of coasted senioritis style in the second half and did, you know, I hate saying it, but they did just enough, you know. That's really the best way to describe it. They were solid in the second half. I don't want to say like they were bad. They were solid. So dominant in one half plus solid in another equals comfortable. Pleasant. Hey, nothing wrong with that, right? Sometimes it's nice to just have a pleasant, easy victory. It was actually almost the biggest margin of victory for Matt LaFleur as Packers head coach up until Houston's garbage time touchdown towards the end. Had the Texans not scored, it would have been a 22-point win for Green Bay passing the 21-point win over the Detroit Lions in Week 2. But Houston did score, so alas. I have to, Okay, so I have to admit, deciding which player or phase of the team to discuss first is usually fairly easy for me. And I take some time to think about it, and it's, you know, it's Rodgers today, right? Oh, it's Jair, it's the defense, whatever, Mike Pettin. But I was, I'm having a hard time, I'm still kind of having a hard time here with this, you know? Who do I discuss first? Uh, you know what? Okay, I gotta, I'm gonna start by talking about Devontae Adams. Let's go, let's talk, let's start with Devontae, right? Gotta. Man, 17 added again with another monster day. Just a monster day for Devontae Adams. 13 catches, 196 yards, and two scores. 13 catches on 16 targets too, which is incredibly impressive. The 13 catches is one, uh, actually a career high for yards, first of all, for Devontae. The 13 catches was one away from his career high of 14, set in week one at Minnesota this season, of course. Those 14 catches also uh, tied him, those 14 catches in Minnesota also tied him with the great Don Hudson for the single game team record. And at this point, I'll be honest, it feels like a lock that he's going to hit 15 catches in a game at some point this season. I really, I I believe that. I think he's going to pass Hudson. It's just, when he's cooking, he just, he's cooking, you know? And when him and Roger, I mean, they're always, they always have that, Yes, you know, that extra set ESP connection thing going on. But when they're really in sync, it goes to a whole nother level, you know? So, yeah, I would say that's likely to happen this year at some point. I, I would bet on that for sure. And I mean, you know, yeah, he was brilliant Sunday. Did his damage in a variety of ways too, which is which he's definitely capable of. In fact, I would say that's his defining trait as a wideout. Kind of dawned on me as I was thinking about the game after it was over. You know, every star wide receiver has that one thing that they really excel at, right? Like Tyreek Hill is a blazer. You know, Odell Beckham makes, Odell Beckham Jr. makes the crazy catches. DeAndre Hopkins works the sidelines brilliantly. With Devontae, I think his, his one standout trait is his ability to make things happen at every level. Short, intermediate, deep, he can kill you. And you saw that in this one, right? Let's start with the short. Let's talk about some short stuff. 
Third and goal. Rogers out of the shotgun. Goes to his right and hits Adams, who breaks open via a pick route or rub route combo with uh, MVS for the three-yard score. That made it 7-0 Packers with 9.21 to go in the first. Nice nice work there in short yardage situation from Devontae. And then another short route, this time coming... Okay, so this one comes out of the two-minute warning. It's 3rd and 10 at the Green Bay 46. Rodgers hits Adams for 16 on a little wide receiver screen. That was so impressive because that play, if you remember, that looked dead to rights from the jump, man. As soon as he caught the ball, it looked... I know he had some blockers in front of him, but there were a lot of Texans guys there too, and it felt like, oh, he's just... This isn't going to work. This is dead. But somehow, it did work. Adams did a nice job following his blocks, and the blocking was, was good, of course. But a lot of that was was Devontae. You know, he got outside. He's able to make guys miss and get the first down. That drive ends in a Rodgers to Malik, uh, Malik Taylor touchdown, which made it 21-0 Packers. Malik touchdown. Malik Taylor touchdown. There we go. And then on the intermediate stuff, right? So fourth quarter now, third and seven. Rodgers to Adams on the back shoulder for 16 in the first beautiful back shoulder fade. Just that's how you draw it up. Perfect. Perfect stuff. That was the 13th and final catch for Adams on the day. That led to Jamal Williams' short touchdown run that closed out the scoring for the pack. So I got the short stuff. We got the intermediate stuff. Now we get to the fun stuff, right? The deep stuff. Oh, oh, oh he did some damage deep too, right? Third and fourth, the Houston 45. One play after Rodgers missed him open, streaking across for what would have been a big gain. He goes right back to Adams, hits Adams, who was backpedaling, yet still comes down with it. Then Devontae turns around and just hauls ass into the end zone. 45-yard scoring strike makes it 28-7 pack before 44 to go in the third. That was incredible. I mean, it really did look like Adams. And I think he talked about this afterwards, too, uh, in his Zoom call with the media, that like he really didn't see the ball until it hit his hands. Because I think he said he lost it in the light line. Because, obviously, NRG is an indoor stadium. So just incredible, incredible concentration to just kind of you know, stick with it and stay in to catch it, caught it backpedaling. Just brilliant, man. Incredible. And I mean, and that's just, you know, and, and the plays I just talked about, that's just a small sampling of his brilliant Sunday, really. But did you notice a trend with all those plays I just discussed? Maybe you did. They all came on third down. All those plays I just talked about happened on third down. In fact, Ryan Wood, Packers beat writer for the Green Bay Press-Gazette, noted on Twitter that Adams had seven third down grabs Sunday. Seven, all resulting in first downs. Incredible. Oh, the Devontae socks are coming out tomorrow. I already got them laid out. I'm definitely going. I wore the Devontae socks on Thursday. I got the Rogers socks that I always wear on Fridays for Football Friday. So I just wore the Devontae socks on Thursday. I'm sure you're, you were dying to know this info. But I'm wearing them again tomorrow. I washed them. They're clean. They got to got to, got to honor Devontae, man, for sure. And his monster performance was definitely needed as the Packers were without Aaron Jones and active because of a calf injury suffered in practice last week. They were down other key performers on offense, too. More on that in a minute. But yeah, Adams stepped up. But you know who else did? Jamal Williams. 19 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Four catches for 37 yards to the air. So 23 touches for 114 yards and a score. That's 4.95 yards per touch. Not bad at all. I just, you know, I love the kid. If you listen to the show, you know how much I love Jamal Williams. He goes 110 miles an hour at all times. He loves contact, loves putting his head down and barreling into defenders. He just, you just know he's going to give you his all at all times, you know? Burp, got to keep it real. And I know, you know, I've talked a lot about his weight loss, but I'll bring it up again. You know, he really, he really is going into a contract here. 
He lost some weight, got a little, got in a little bit better shape. He's quicker now. He's shiftier now. That's really important. And I love the swagger. You know, I love the swagger. I love the confidence he brings to this team. That was so evident on his 17-yard catch from Rodgers in the first quarter. So Williams gets popped, gets his helmet knocked off, pops up, and starts like headbanging. He said, this is like headbanger's ball. That was some wild shit, man. Packers end up getting 15 extra yards on that play, on the uh, lowering the head to initiate contact call on Houston. But I mean, he's, he's headbanging. He looked like a famous son of Texas. Dimebag Daryl, the late great Dimebag Daryl of Pantera. Whipping his head, whipping the head around, dreads flying. I love that shit. Loved it. You know who all stepped up? Man, the offensive line. They were really, really good. I talked about, you know, the offense missing more uh, key performers. We're on that in a minute. We're there now. The offensive line didn't have David Bakhtiari. You know? One of the best, if not the best, one of the best two or three left tackles on the planet. Didn't have him out with a chest injury. Suffered last week. He didn't make the trip. So I wondered why he didn't even make the trip. I wonder if that had. I was wondering if that had something to do with, like, sitting upright on the plane. If that could like aggravate or irritate his injury. I don't know. That was just my theory. But yeah, he didn't make the trip. So the Packers, from left to right, go with Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, who was questionable at one point in the week because he had, I think, a back injury or a knee injury. Lucas Patrick, and then Rick Wagner, Stalica's own Rick Wagner. That may have had you a little nervous before kickoff. I know I was a little seeing Billy Turner to left tackle. I was like, uh, it's kind of hoping they'd go with Jenkins there. But you know what? That group, they they alleviated all fears. They turned in an outstanding day. Rodgers wasn't sacked at all and only hit once, I think. So really, I mean, great work from that. Good work from them to bounce back after they got their asses handed to them last week in Tampa. And then Rodgers, geez, I should talk about, I should talk about his performance too, right? I mean, he again bounced back from a horrendous day in Tampa last week. I mean, they were all bad. I don't feel like I have to preface every group saying, you know, they were bad last week. Every, everybody on the Packers sucked last week. But Rodgers was bad, you know. Bounced back in this one. A really nice day. Get his stats up here. 23 of 34, 283 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and 8.3 yards per attempt. Rating a 132.4, which I think he was at like, wasn't he like 35.9 last week? So obviously improved greatly there. Um, made some really nice throws. I'll tell you a moment I thought might have been Rodgers' biggest all day. So Houston has just opened the second half with a long drive and a touchdown to make it 21-7. Game back on. Packers get the ball back. It's third and five. Rodgers looks like he's going to be sacked. I mean, I thought for sure he was going to be sacked. Only to do that captain fucking magic thing that he does and slip away from the rush, step up, slip away, flick one to Adams. Who else, of course? And Adams sprints for the first. That was a huge, huge play by 12. By the way, if you don't know when I say Captain fucking Magic, I've, I've referenced on Twitter, watch the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You should just watch it anyways because it's awesome. Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, it's fantastic. But you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that after you watch the movie. It's really, really, it's a great movie. Anyways, huge play from 12 because I think a three and out there would have given Houston a real jolt. I think they really would have been like, okay, now now it's really game on. But Rodgers kept the drive alive. And you know, some other stuff here, kind of odds and ends. It was really nice to see uh, Taylor, who I mentioned earlier. Gliak power, baby. Ferris State University. Ferris State University. Guys making plays on the Packers. Awesome. 
Uh, and then Jay Sternberger, my guy, tight end Jay Sternberger, both catch their first regular season touchdowns. Jay's, of course, caught one in the waning moments of the NFC Championship game last year in San Francisco. But both it was the first career touchdown for Taylor, first regular season touchdown for Sternberger. So, nice little uh, moment for those two. One negative. <sighs> there was one negative. It's it's MVS. We got to talk about MVS. Just another big drop, or fairly big, on a third down play in the fourth. Packers up twenty-eight to thirteen. I just, I'm just thinking he's running out of opportunities. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised that he keeps getting these looks. Rodgers clearly has an affinity for Taylor. I'd like to see Taylor maybe get some some MVS snaps. Just look, all the height, weight, speed stuff is great, and I know I obviously touted him. I was the president of MVS Industries. We're now closed permanently. I don't think we'll ever reopen. Um, but it's just, you know, all the height, weight, speed stuff is great, but, you know, a wide receiver who can't catch is <laughs> kind of useless. It's kind of a big part of the job description, you know, that whole receiving part. So I, I don't know. I'm just, I kind of think he should, I think there should be some other guys that get his looks for sure. I'd like to see Taylor get some looks. I mentioned, I think that would be, that would be good to see. Yeah. Okay. So enough offense, 17 minutes, enough offense. Jesus, I gotta give the defensive guy some love now. I mean, because it's not totally surprising the Packers put up a big day offensively when you consider how terrible Houston's defense is, right? What was fairly surprising was the performance of the defense. I know, I I probably could have mentioned them first, but what can I say? Look, being a Packer fan, I've been a Packer fan since the early 90s, right? What has driven the Packers for that 30-ish year span? Offense. So it's just... It's it's an offense it's an offense led team. I, I I know I usually start with them. What can I say? I know I gotta give the defense I gotta put them first more often and I'm gonna work on that. But it's, it's the way that it's the way this franchise goes. Again, what can I say? But yeah, the defense and defensive coordinator Mike Petton hammered all week for their lousy showing against the Bucks. Really stepped up. They really did. That was nice to see. Because yes, Houston has a bad record, but I'll tell you what, that shit ain't because of the offense. That offense has weapons, you know? Obviously, Deshaun Watson is a really, really good quarterback. I think he could even get better. He's really good. But, I mean, they have Cooks and Fuller and our old pal Randall Cobb at receiver. David Johnson at running back, who is not what he was in his heyday in Arizona, but I would still, I would say he's still a very effective running back, yeah? I mean, they're pretty loaded. And the Packers basically shut them down until it was garbage time or close to garbage time. Doubly, doubly impressive when you consider the Packers were without Kevin King. Out again with the quad injury. He looked like maybe he was going to play. He practiced during the week, and then he dropped out of practice, I think, on Friday. So hopefully he can get healthy soon. But they didn't have King. No Darnell Savage. No Tyler Lancaster. I mean, so, you know, they were shorthanded. And, and I'll tell you, the pass rush was probably as consistent as it's been all year. Green Bay sacking Watson three times and forcing him to throw earlier than he wanted on a number of other occasions. It's nice to see Petten dialing up the blitz a bit more, particularly on the play that ended with an Adrian Amos sack of Watson that came on a third and three at the Green Bay 8. Actually, it was the first play of the fourth. That forced a field goal attempt and kept Green Bay comfortably ahead at 28 to 10. Instead of it being, you know, it could have been 20 and 14. See, Mike, you can bring heat. Do it. Do it more often. Also, it felt like Zadarius was more active and involved than he's been in a couple weeks. He picked up yet another sack, his sixth on the season always makes me happy because I am once again wearing the my Packers Pro Shop specially made Zadarius Smith J shirt. Did I tell you that story? I'm just kidding. I know I did. 
you know, really great stuff from the run defense as well. They held Houston's uh, running backs, David and Duke Johnson, no relation that I know of. Was it Die Hard, right? Special Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson, no relation, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I think they were Johnson and Johnson in that movie, right? Uh, anyways, Packers held them to just 41 yards on 15 carries. They did not allow themselves to be bullied up front, which was a refreshing change of pace, I gotta say. Really nice work from the front seven as a whole, but really, I thought the D-line really seemed to hold up nicely. Which was and usually is a concern. <laughs> if you follow the team. Now, obviously, Watson did some things with his legs, but I mean, you know that's gonna happen going in. You just try to limit it. And I thought Green Bay did, most notably on the fourth and one option keeper that was absolutely blown apart by Preston Smith to force a turnover on downs late in the game. Watson tried, he tried, he tried selling the toss. Smith was not having it. Great patience, great awareness on his part. I think today might have been Preston's best game of the season. So hopefully that's a springboard. He can start to turn it around because he's had a really disappointing first five games, you know? People are on Twitter talking about him getting cut, <laughs> which I think is a little premature, but I mean... His play has not been good. He was today. Let's hope he can use that to uh, you know, springboard to success, as Mike McCarthy might say. Oh, Mike McCarthy, why'd you take the Cowboys job? On the flip side, Jair Alexander with just another incredible day. I got to talk about his next-gen stats. So I saw this after the game. Let me pull this up here. Play the intermission music. Here we go. So these are uh, courtesy of next-gen stats. Will Fuller, probably the number one receiver for Houston, either Cooks or Fuller, but we'll say Fuller for this case. Fuller was targeted one time with Jair covering him. No catches, no yards. The last three games for Jair Alexander, are you ready for this? Week four, Calvin Ridley from Atlanta. No catches, no yards with Jair on him. Week five, Mike Evans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One target, no catches, no yards. Will Fuller, week six, one target, no catches, no yards. He has not given up a single catch for a single freaking yard over the last three games and has only been targeted twice. I mean, you know, all pro. All pro. I, I think that's I think that's that's fairly easy to say at this point. He's not making the big splash plays as of late. He's just consistently shutting down the other team's top guy. And you know the splash plays are gonna come. And I think for him, when they come, they're gonna come in bunches. It's gonna be like a flood. Like, he's going to have, like, four picks in three games or something ridiculous. I think that's coming. It's coming soon, too. And you know what? There were, but there were a lot of guys who stood out on defense on Sunday. I, I mean, I go through the list here. Raven Green had a nice day. He had two passes defended, eight tackles. He was doing things in the run game. He was doing things in coverage. Now, he got hurt late in the game with a, uh, where was it? Let's see. What did he have? He, uh, oblique injury. So let's hope he, you know, the thing with Green, I, I don't think anybody's ever questioned his ability. The guy's a player. He just can't stay healthy. So hopefully he's not hurt for too long. But I mean, Chris Barnes had a sack. You noticed him. Come all Martin, my guy, come all Sky, you ma, baby. We needed this after that ass kicking on sun- Saturday night for Michigan. We needed some good, us Minnesota alums needed some good stuff on Sunday. We got it from Kamal Martin. Gets his first game action in the NFL, called off of IR. He was on IR to start the season, coming off knee surgery. Finally gets on the roster, gets in. Six tackles, one tackle for a loss. You definitely noticed him, especially as the game went on. 
Uh, who else? Let's see. I mentioned Amos had the sack. He almost had another pick. At some point, he's got to hang on to these. I think hopefully he will. Uh, let's see. Mentioned Zadarius. Mentioned Preston. Um, uh, Henry Black. Who is Henry Black? Can we talk about Henry Black? Henry Black. You might not know about him, but I do. I'm just kidding. I had no idea who he was. I know he got... He was... What was he? He was signed to the practice squad on September 6th because of Savage's injury. He gets called up to the roster yesterday from the practice squad. And in the fourth quarter, he hits uh, Johnson so hard that the freaking ball pot, he put his helmet on the ball and it like flew out and led to a Packers fumble recovery turnover for the defense. Who is Henry Black? I don't even know. Just like Chris Barnes in week one, I was like, who is Chris Barnes? I don't know who some of these guys are. And they come in and they're making plays. They're making more plays than the established guys. That black plays, that's more than Savage has done all year, probably. So, you know, I got to give him some love. Let's see who else. Uh, there was a Dean Lowry sighting. He made a, a tackle, I think, in a, a goal line situation. Uh, let's see, who else? Vernon Scott had a sack. I Was it a sack? Oh, he had a tackle for loss, excuse me. Montrevious Adams, I've noticed. Montrevious the last couple of weeks. He did some things in Tampa last week. He did he did a couple of nice things today. So there were a lot of guys who stood out here. It's kind of like the Oprah thing. You get some credit. You get some credit. You get some credit. Your name gets mentioned. It was good stuff. Uh, the special teams, not as good. <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a good day when uh, Equinemius St. Brown downed the nice J.K. Scott punt inside the five. But then, yeah. And then <laughs> they allowed a block punt. The guy for Houston basically blocked it with, like, his back. And then uh, they failed to recover the onside kick, both those plays happening in the fourth. And, yeah, you could say, well, the game was basically decided by then, and it was. But you got to clean those up. Special teams, I feel like, once special teams, you have a couple of bad plays, I feel like that can snowball to, like, the next week and the week after. So you got to nip that shit in the bud right now, Sean. Nip that in the bud right now. Okay, 25 minutes in, big picture time. It was nice to see... Almost 26 minutes in, I should say. It was nice to see the Packers bounce back after that ass-kicking last week. Rodgers said that they had had a good week of practice and preparation, and it showed. The team seemed much more focused as a whole, and the win is extra impressive when, again, you consider just how shorthanded they were. It's also nice to see Matt LaFleur's teams continue their trend of not letting losses rupture into losing streaks, as he has yet to lose even two in a row as head coach of the Packers. That being said, we got to keep this one in perspective, guys. It's still the Houston Texans, a not-at-all-very-good team. So it's not as though the doubts created by last week's defeat will be totally silenced. One win is not going to change what we saw last week. Having said that, you can only beat who's in front of you, and Sunday the Packers did just that, and they did so comfortably. Hopefully it's the beginning of another long winning streak. Okay, so uh, after the game, I told people to send any questions or comments or anything else they had uh, to me on Twitter, and I did get some replies, so... I figure we'll dive into those right now. These are in no particular order. Start with friend of the show, Justin Cornwell, at Justin A. Cornwell. He says, Happy to see the defense play a solid game against a pretty good offense, especially down two starters in the secondary. Also, major props to Billy Turner in the O-line. I legit forgot 69 wasn't out there once the game got going. Yeah. Uh, I agree with all that, Justin, for sure. I mean, the defense, like I said, you know, Houston's... Got a terrible record, but that's not because of their offense. You know, they lost, what was it like? They lost to Tennessee last week in overtime, and I think each team was in the 40s or near the 40s in points. They can score. So holding them to 20 on the, you know, in their own building is pretty impressive. 
And yeah, I thought Billy Turner, like I said, like that definitely had me, you know, I guess okay with Wagner at right tackle. Shout out to Stalis. Um, Patrick at right guard. Lindsley at center. Like really from Jenkins right, I was like, oh, that's okay. But Billy Turner at left tackle, I mean, that scared the shit out of me, you know? Because, I, I mean, we saw how bad Rick Wagner was last week. So I was like, well, let's hope Turner's better. And you know what? He really was. They were outstanding today. I have no issues with the offensive line. Really, really good stuff. Okay, next question comes from, oh, my old, old bag of donuts, co-host, podcast co-host, bestest friend in the world, Adam Summers, brew crewer at a Summers underscore time. He asks, Randall Cobb for a fourth or fifth round pick? Who says no? We need a steady hand, possession wide receiver. Rodgers loves him, and imagine the creativity LaFleur would have in them. Either way, Vikings week. Let's bury Cousins for good. Yeah, that. definitely let's bury Kirk Cousins for good. I'm with you on that. On the Randall Cobb thing. So I looked up his contract because when I saw your tweet, Adam, I go, well, that, yeah, I mean, I think for a fifth round pick, I would, I would probably be interested in that. Here's the problem. Cobb's base salary next year is $8.25 million. He also has a roster bonus of three hundred and seventy-five thousand. So what? Over eight. So his cap number would be about eight point six million. The signing bonus stuff, the Packers wouldn't pay that. Houston would pay that uh, upon when he's traded. So it would be about a nine, about an eight point six million dollar cap hit for a team like the Packers, who are already struggling to find the or, and are going to struggle to find the available money to sign Bakhtiari and King or maybe Jones. Although I tell you. Quick aside, games like today, now Jamal Williams, you know, that wasn't quite what we've seen. You know, it wasn't like an Aaron Jones standout level performance, but Jamal Williams was definitely more than good enough. And the Packers put up 35 points. I'll just say this. Games like today make me rethink the whole they have to pay Aaron Jones thing. Like, I'm just, I'm not sure. A, if they can, and I'm not even sure if they should at this point. That's just where I am right now. That could change. But I mean, they're five and one. And Aaron Jones has only had two really big games this year. The Detroit game and the Atlanta game. The rest of the year he's been good, but he hasn't been, like, dominant, you know? And that stuff, you think about that stuff when you go, well, should they give him? I mean, I would think it's going to be at least $10 million a year on average, maybe 11 probably 12 I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they should do that at this point. My mind is starting to change. As much as I love Aaron Jones, my mind is starting to change on that. But back to your point, Um, back to your question. So... Bakhtiari, you know, King, Jones, Lindsley, it's already going to be tough enough getting two or three of those guys under next year because the cap is going to, as it goes, goes down or stays flat because of COVID, because of lost revenue. So bringing in Cobb at 8.2, you know, about 8.6 million would be really kind of hard to swallow. Although if Cobb was willing to take a, if he was willing to take a uh, pay cut, yeah, if he was willing to go down to like, I don't know, three, three and a half, four. Maybe it's possible. I'm not sure Cobb's going to want to do that, but if he, you know, I think you could agree on compensation. I think you could agree on, you know, I think Houston would take a fifth for him. Sure. Because they're kind of rebuilding now. They will, they're going to have a new head coach at the end of the year or going into next season. So I don't know if Cobb would take the pay, you know, the pay cuts. Kind of like the thing with J.J. Watt. That's become a thing on pack. Should they trade for J.J. Watt? And I go, again, like I said on Friday on Twitter, I think you could find compensation that they could agree on. I think Houston might be willing to take a five or like a compensatory five in 2021 or 2022 that could become like a four or a three. But is Watt, I mean, J.J. Watt's due 17 and a half million next season. Is he going to take a pay cut down to four or five 
Because that's probably what it would take. I doubt he will. So as much as it, I, I, but I agree with you. I think I think Lafleur could find ways to use him, and I, you know, obviously Rogers loves him, so there would be the fit there. But I, it's hard to see it happening. Okay, uh, let's move on here. I got a couple more. We got Daniel Ray the third at D Ray three. Why didn't they let AJ Dillon play more? That's a good question. I kind of thought they might. You know, AJ Dillon only had what. Five carries for 11 yards on the day. Wasn't targeted at all in the passing game. Obviously, the bulk of the work went to Jamal. I thought there'd be more of a timeshare there. I kind of thought they'd want to see exactly what they have at Dillon or where, or, or kind of see where he's at at this point in his rookie season, but they didn't. So I, I don't know why. I guess I couldn't. I mean, Jamal was obviously playing really well, so he kind of ride the hot hand, but I did think, at least early in the game, I thought they'd give Dylan more of a look, yeah. So I, I'm surprised by that too, Daniel. And then finally, we have Curtis Polishinski at KS Polish. Graham Mertz, am I right? I guess. You know, I, I'm a Gopher fan. So, I mean, that's great. Uh, Graham Mertz was obviously brilliant on Friday night against Illinois. Unfortunately, I don't know if people saw this. He He's tested positive for COVID, which is really, you know. I know they have to run. I believe they have to run a second test on him to see if it wasn't a false positive. Hopefully it was. Let's hope. Look, even though I'm a Gopher fan, I'm not. I'm not insane. I hopefully. I hope. I hope Graham Mertz is totally healthy. I hope he doesn't have COVID. Um. But yeah, you imagine playing a game like that and getting diagnosed with COVID two days later. God, that sucks. So again, let's hope he's healthy. Let's hope he doesn't have it. Um. I'll tell you, my Gophers got got a maize and blue foot shoved up their ass on Saturday night. <laughs> College game day is not coming back to Minneapolis for a long time. It's going to be another fifty years before they come back. Yeah. Because they were there for the Badger game last year, and we got steamrolled, and then they come here for the Michigan game last Saturday night. Michigan kicks the shit out of us. That's the national spotlight might not be a good role for for my Minnesota Gophers. We maybe we need to operate in the shadows like Bane. We're not good in the spotlight. Yeah, that sucked. That sucked. Our kicker was out with COVID. Our punter was out with COVID. Our backup kicker was coming off a of sports hernia surgery, so he wasn't even hundred percent. He could do some field goals, but he couldn't really kick the ball that far, as you saw. It's just a disaster. A disastrous Saturday night for the Minnesota Gophers. It sucked. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> okay. So those are all the questions we had. Um, okay. And again, thanks to everyone who sent along something for the Twitter bag. I always appreciate it. We look ahead now to next Sunday. The Packers will welcome the hated Minnesota Vikings to Lambeau Field for an NFC North tilt that kicks off at noon Lambeau time. Isn't it funny that I just talked about being a Minnesota alum and how I love my Gophers, and then like two seconds later, I'm like, the hated Minnesota Vikings. I don't fit in anywhere. You know, I live in Wisconsin. You'd hate me on Saturdays. You'd love me on Sundays. I lived in Minneapolis for five years. I was going to school, and then after that, the people there loved me on Saturdays, hated me on Sundays. Hated me on Sundays. I can't even tell you the shit I got yelled at me in Minnesota wearing the Favre jersey. Which ends up being hysterical, right? Because he played there. Maybe I'll talk about that next week. I got anything and everything. I'm walking down the street, people would scream at me from their cars. I had guys in bars get in my face and scream at me. I was at the... Adam and I went to the game where Favre broke Marino's touchdown record. And I was in the bathroom at the Metrodome at halftime wearing the Favre jersey. And I had some drunk Viking fan come up to me and call Favre a homophobic slur which I'm obviously not going to say on the show, but you probably guess what it was. And I was just like, whatever, man. Like, anything and everything. 
Adam had a Packer tailgate cover on his truck, and he parked it at, like, a parking ride. Someone kicked it in half. Like, Vikings fans are nasty. It's way nastier than the Bears rivalry. I'll talk about this more next week, but it's, to me, it's the nastiest rivalry the Packers have, for sure. Uh, Green Bay will be looking to, of course, sweep the season series after a down mini 43-34 at Minneapolis in week one. The Vikings, of course, have not had things go their way at all this year. Just last week, they traded defensive end Yannick, make sure I say his name right, Yannick Ngakwe. You know, it's funny, I know who he is, but I never learned how to pronounce his name until today. Uh, they traded him to Baltimore. So they get... They gave up, what did they give up, like a second? They gave up like a second and a comp five for him. And then they had him for five games, six games, and they traded him to Baltimore for a three and a comp five. So they essentially dropped, I did the math, if Baltimore wins the Super Bowl, which is entirely possible, and the Vikings are one of the ten worst teams in the league, they will have essentially dropped from the top part of the second round to the end of the third, which is something like, I think it's like 50-something picks just to rent Ngakwe for six games. <laughs> it's not a great return on investment. Someone said to me on Twitter, you'd think for a team that has their stadium sponsored by a bank, they'd know a little about return on investment, but I guess not. Anyways, you know what, though? You know they're going to play Green Bay hard, right? Zimmer's, Zimmer's a tough son of a bitch. You know they're going to play the Packers hard. They don't want to get swept. They're rested after the bye. They still have some weapons. They have Cook and Thielen and Jefferson and Rudolph. So the Packers, look, the Packers can't take this one lightly. They can't. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday night to recap that one, win, lose, or draw. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack. Go. Pack.